It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the football fanatics, football gurus. I got Jay Smooth in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Smooth underscore 702. And I also have Dan Rivera in the house. You guys can find him at Dan Rivera 228. And you can get us all on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. NFL Week 2. This is the Dan and Smooth edition. You guys already got the Uncle Dave and Steve edition. We're going to go ahead. We're going to break down around seven games between Dan Smooth and myself. Last week, we did rather well. We plan on going ahead and building on that once again. Guys, let's go ahead and get into this because we got a handful of games that we have to get to here. Let's start out with the Bengals and the Bears. The Bears are going to be at home here, minus two and a half. Total on this one, 45. Dan, you were really strong last week, and I wanted to say thank you. You know, in person, now they finally got to talk to you for that Arizona first half wager that you gave me. So big thanks to you. I ended up with a uh, couple units there. Thanks to Dan. So I'm going to go ahead and start out with you, Bengals, Bears. How you feeling? I'm going to be honest with you, Sleepy. I was actually kind of impressed with the Bears last week. Now, Sleepy, I know you remember this. I don't know if Smooth will or not, but last year or two years ago, whenever I started coming on here, I would pretty much come on every single week and batch Mr. Trubisky. Well, I'm going to bash the Bears again this year. I don't know what to do with this quarterback situation. At minus two and a half, I lean Bears because they did look good last week. You can make a strong argument that the Vikings or Bengals were somewhat lucky or unlucky to win or lose that game. And congratulations to Smooth for the only guy I knew who was on the Bengals last week, even though I thought Dalvin Cook was down. But I'm biased in that situation. I, I just don't know what to do with the Bears at this point. I can't touch them. I think they're going to start field soon. Maybe they could keep Dalton because I think Matt Nagy's pretty much done after this year. But I'll lean Bears. I just can't touch them until that quarterback situation gets settled. I like the Bears myself. I'm actually going to use them in a parlay. And this is typically a bet that I don't make or that I do give out on a podcast because, you know, generally making parlays in the NFL, probably not the way to go. But I do like the Bears on the money line. The reason I'm going to play them on the money line, I wouldn't be surprised if this game is a cliffhanger. I think Cincinnati has a good chance to go ahead and expose that Bears secondary just like the Rams did. And you have to go back and look at what Cincinnati did last week. Joe Mixon had a really good game. Wide receivers played well. Joe Burrow played well. But it really comes down to that Cincinnati defense that worries me going here on the road. Andy Dalton played rather well against the Rams, believe it or not. But I like the total over in this one as well. 45, it just seems a little bit too low. Bears were able to move last week. Bengals were able to move last week. Both teams put up points, but I'm not convinced that either of these two defenses are really all that good. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play the Bears money line and the over in a parlay. Again, I normally don't play those. I normally don't recommend those. Those aren't exactly the greatest bets. But I do like the Bears to squeeze out a win here at home. I think both teams put up points smooth. I'll throw it over to you. Bengals, Bears, what are you thinking? Yeah, I had a little bit of a stronger opinion when when this line originally came out at three, and I was leaning towards the Bengals. Uh, but since this came down, I'm uh, kind of backed off of that game. Not much of a strong opinion anymore. Pretty much for the reasons you guys just stated, that with the the defenses in these two in these two matchups, and you know, I was on the Bengals last week, like you mentioned. But you know, the the defense is going to give up a lot of points. But you know, I, I do like what Joe Burrow is able to do with it, with that offense and the weapons. You know, with Jamar Chase and a healthy Joe Mixon back, but. You know, now that this line's moved off to three and it's, and it's dropped down and looks like it's going to continue to keep dropping, um, 
I, I wouldn't stand in front of a, uh, getting the Bears uh, either, you know, laying the two and a half or lower than that or even taking them on the money line. So for me, this would probably just be a pass game for me, and I'll just sit back and, and see if I could learn something from these two teams uh, moving forward uh, going into week three. And there's nothing wrong with that smooth, you know, going ahead and taking a pass. I mean, last week you took the contrarian approach. I mean, there were a lot of games that you were on last week that, None of the pros were on and none of the Joes were on. You were on the book side in a lot of those games. And I believe you probably had one of the better weeks. Uh, I believe you had one of the best weeks out of all the guys on the Betting Predator podcast. And we all did you know, really, really well. So um, I'm, it's cool. It's There's nothing wrong with you going ahead and, and, and passing and not trying to be contrarian. You know, you're contrarian when you need to be. Uh, so we all pretty much talked through that game. Texans and the Browns, that's the next one here. Texans will be on the road at Cleveland. Cleveland will be around minus 12 and a half. Uh, there are some minus 13s out there as well. We have a total of 48 in this game. I particularly don't like a side in this one, but I do have a couple plays, and I'm going to go ahead and consider. Dan, I'll go ahead. I'll start out with you with this one. Texans, Browns, how are you feeling? Once again, I'm just going to have to pass this game. At 12 and a half, I'll just lean Browns. Texans got their win this year. We know these teams don't want to go winless because it's one thing to be bad one year. It's another thing to be a winless team such as the Lions and Browns. And then you're just a laughing stock for the rest of the 25 or 30 plus years. Browns probably should win that game against the Chiefs. And the Texans just came out and flat out whooped Urban Meyer last week. It's just, again, a, a game I got to pass. I just don't know anything about either team. The Browns probably cover, but do I really want to belt 12, 12 and a half? No, I'm just going to pass. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to look at some player props here for the Texans. One of the things I think that the Texans bring into this particular game is it's like uh, they're, they're going to be like a sleeping giant. It was like, look, nobody expected us to do anything all year long. They go into that game last week. They get a win there. They were an underdog. And now they're playing a team like Cleveland, who's a double-digit favorite, who more than likely is probably going to beat them up pretty good. But I'm not going to go ahead. And just say that Houston's not going to come into this game and do anything well. I lean very, very strongly to the over. I'll probably end up playing that. But I'm looking at going ahead and attacking some of the Houston players. Uh, More than likely, it'll probably be like a Brennan Cooks. Somebody like that. I might avoid actually the backfield. But I think Tyrod Taylor probably throws the ball quite a bit. I'm sure there are some interception props out there that will actually probably intrigue me a little bit with him. I believe he'll probably throw a pick. Maybe even Mayfield will too as well. But it's just a little tough, you know, with that Cleveland offense because they have a ton of weapons. So I'm going to look towards Houston, towards some player props. I think they're actually going to put some points up on the board. So, again, I'm leaning strong here to the over. Hadn't made an official pick on that yet. But that's kind of what I'm thinking with that game. How about you, Smooth? Any thoughts on the Texans and the Browns? Yeah, I agree with you. You sleepy a little bit on the total there. I lean towards the over with you. Um, only reason why it's a lean for me is – it's uh, heavily backed by the public right now, getting around over 85% of the tickets. The uh, line hasn't moved yet at 48, so if you can get a 48, I would I would look to play that if I had to play something in this game. But just going back and looking at these teams, you know, week one, you know, the Browns was able to move up and down the field on the Chiefs and Baker Mayfield. He, look, he just looks a lot better under Kevin Stefanski. You know, he's had some games under his belt with him. Uh, he had a, a, a rocky start to his career, but... He looks settled in there, um, you know, with and with the running game as well with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Uh, but just speaking on the Texans a little bit, I know um, they're still projected to be one of the worst teams in the league. But not, I like their I like some of their weapons. You know, Tyrod Taylor made some plays 
Uh, Brandon Cooks had a big day, and Phillip Lindsey and uh, David Johnson out of the backfield are capable running backs when they're healthy. So I, I think both of these teams will have some opportunity to put up some points. So if I was forced to, to have a stronger uh, uh, feel or a lean one way in this game, it'll be to the over in the total. Uh, but I played at 48. All right. Well, I'm glad you kind of agree with me on that one. Feeling pretty good there. How about the Patriots and the Jets? New England, they'll be on the road here in New York. New York right now, they're getting six points here at home. Total of 43 in this game. This is probably going to be one of my – actually, I'll just say this will be my strongest wager on this podcast. But before I go in and get into that smooth, I'm going to go ahead and throw it right back to you, Patriots. Jets, you got any opinion on that one? Yeah, I, I lean towards the Patriots. Um, the final score to their game in week one was a little bit misleading because of the turnovers they had. You know, I backed the Patriots, uh, laying the three and a half to the Dolphins. And, you know, it looked like they was driving in there to, you know, at the end of the game to take the lead, but, you know, fumbled by Damian Harris. But I mean, outside of the turnovers, uh, I liked how they looked, um, especially with Mac Jones, um, you know, moving the ball up and down the field, just taking what taking what was there. Uh, I know a lot of people throughout, you know, the media, you know, on the talking head shows, wasn't really impressed with his yards per attempt, but, you know, he's a quarterback that's not really going to force anything. He's being coached up by Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. Um, and they're just not going to, you know, allow him to put the ball in harm's way or put him in bad positions to where, you know, he could, you know, uh, come out with some turnovers or anything like that. So, and then just going back to the draft, that was one of his strongest uh, strengths was, he was probably the most pro-ready quarterback, you know, coming into the league. So I think he showed a little bit of that in week one. And, you know, going up against this Jets defense, um, you know, they had some – they made some pretty good signings in the offseason, but a lot of those guys are hurt now. If you're talking about uh, Carl Lawson and uh, Gerard Davis. So um, I think with the weapons that New England has on the offensive uh, side of the ball, you know, when they go in that two tight end set, with Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Um, I think Mac Jones will have an even more successful day, you know, when they decide to put the ball through the air. But I don't expect New England to have as many turnovers as they did in week one either. So I would lean to the Patriots, even though it even though it jumped up, you know, three points from the opener, you know, uh, now laying six. But I would still lean that way. All right. How about you, Dan? Patriots, Jets, what do you got? Smooth pretty much nailed all my concerns for this game. Makai Becton got hurt last game, and I know he's a really good left tackle. The Jets' offense is not good enough to overcome losing a star left tackle, a good left tackle, however you want to qualify him. Now I got a backup left tackle with a rookie quarterback versus a team in Bill Belichick who's notorious for absolutely making first or second-year QBs just looking awful moss on the field. I lean Patriots here just because we have to lay the minus six. I just can't see the Jets winning this game outside of maybe a bunch of turnovers and smooth nailed it. Patriots were kind of unlucky to lose that game last week. So I'll lean Patriots this week at the minus six. All right. I still haven't heard one single person on the Jets, and this has been pretty much all week long. I like the Jets a lot this particular week. I think their life to actually win this game. I go back to last week. Zach Wilson didn't look bad. 258 yards passing, two touchdowns. He did have an interception. He was 20 for 37. But I think the Jets struggled in one area, and that was the rushing attack. They only ran the ball for 45 total yards. But Corey Davis had a big game, had two touchdowns. And I feel like 
this line is being put out there like this is the Patriots of the old. Well, this is, you know, the new Patriots. They were terrible last year. I don't think that they're, you know, just so much better this particular year. But the Jets, you know, they, they treat this particular game, especially the one at home, like it's their Super Bowl. And the Jets are coming off of a loss. This is their home opener with their new quarterback, you know, with their new offense. And I think the Jets are actually headed in the right direction for once. I think they, they shed a lot of dead weight, a lot of bad players. I believe Jamison Crowder will be back in the lineup. I think that helps Zach Wilson and that Jets offense. And I understand that the Jets last week, that they did struggle in certain areas. And one of them was third down efficiency. They were four out of 13. And I wasn't completely turned off with how the offense looked. I think it was completely turned off with how the offense actually finished. I believe they'll finish a little bit better here. I also believe that the Jets probably had some jitters going on the road in their first game. You know, a rookie coach, rookie quarterback, you know, a lot of new pieces. So I can understand the fact that they went into Carolina and they lost that game. And look, they were supposed to lose that game. I think that line opened up somewhere around five. It lands five. And then I believe that line actually closed a little bit lower. So there was some love for the Jets, although they didn't get it done. But I think they will get it done this week. So I'm taking the plus six points. I feel very, very good with the six points, but I actually feel pretty good as well on the money line with the Jets. So I'm going to pizza bet that as well. One of the reasons I don't want any part of the Patriots, I'm not necessarily sure that they looked all that great last week, but I believe that this is just a terrible spot for them and a terrible spot. Plus, I haven't heard a single person take the Jets. This right now is the front runner for the Sheep's play of the week. So I'm all over to Jets here, plus a six. Pizza bet the money line. That's what I'm going to go ahead and do. Let's jump over to the Raiders at the Steelers. Steelers right now, minus six. Total 47. Dan, I'll throw it over to you. How are you feeling about that one? Well, Sleepy, speaking of your Sheep, Mackenzie and I do a podcast for Survivor, and this was a game I had circled for Survivor, mostly because I don't like the Raiders this week. They're coming off that epic overtime win against the Ravens on national TV. They were only about three, three and a half, four point underdog, depending on when you bet them. So they were a small underdog, but it was still a big win for them on a Monday night. Now they don't have Tuesday to practice. So now Wednesday, they're getting ready for the Ravens or my apologies. They're getting ready for the Steelers. Now they have to travel. So when you add it all up, it just seems like a really, really bad situation for the Raiders this week. On the flip side, the Steelers coming off a good win. You know, they were kind of lucky to win that game because they got a lucky turnover with their defense. They kind of tied up. So they look really good. Their defensive pass for us, I was actually kind of surprised how much pressure they were getting on Josh Allen. I didn't think of it, much of it coming into this year because of the TJ Watt contract issue, but I was impressed by their pass rush. The Raiders defense themselves they lost Gerald McCoy I believe for the year I don't know how to say this dude's name I think Ngakwe is how you pronounce it I'm not really sure but anyways he's a key pass rusher for them for a team who doesn't have very good pass rushers to start with he's questionable now too so now you lose two key guys on defense I, I just don't see the situation where the Raiders don't come out somewhat flat to start with I like the Steelers here. They just looked really good last week, but I do have some concern for Big Ben in this game. That's my only concern for the game. I'll take the Steelers minus six here. I'm going to go down. I'm going to pull a smooth on this game because I don't believe anybody's going to take the under. So I will. I'm going to go down. I'm going to play the under 47. Uh, that might be like a half unit play for me, but I feel pretty comfortable with that. 
Dan, you mentioned it. I think the Raiders might come in here a little bit flat, but I also think Pittsburgh might come in here a little bit flat because I don't believe that Pittsburgh expected to win that game when, you know, let's just say it was in the third quarter. It looked like the Bills probably going to pull that out, but, you know, things happen in football and, and that's the way it goes. And, you know, same thing with the Raiders. You know, they probably could have lost that game too, although I felt like they won the game three times. I think both teams kind of deflate here. And I got to go back to what Big Ben looked like last week throwing the football. It wasn't pretty. And I think one of the things that Pittsburgh wants to get back to is running the football and being a running first team and letting Big Ben go ahead and do things, you know, when he's able to go ahead and use the play action. So I think we see a lot of Najee Harris this week. So I'm going to look at him in a player prop. But I think both teams come in here let down. And I think that they probably play close to the vest. Neither team wants to lose this game. Both teams are up. You know, both teams have a 1-0 record. And I think for the Raiders, they're going to approach this with caution. They're not going to let Carr come out on the road and try to throw for 400 and some yards again. Now, I'm not necessarily sure, you know, about the health of Josh Jacobs. I'm guessing he might be, you know, 50% in this particular game as far as usage is. But I think they try to get a little Kenyon Drake involved. I think they play it close to the vest. So, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to make a contrarian play here. At least I feel that it is, is to go ahead and play the under 47 in this one. And I'm also going to go ahead and take a look at Najee Harris for player prop. Smooth, your turn on this one. Raiders, Steelers, what do you got? Yeah, I agree with you again, Sleepy, here on the total uh, under the 47. Um, I didn't see anything too impressive. Again, uh, week one from the Steelers. Um, I think they were kind of fortunate going up against a Bills team that was pretty much struggling against that top three to five defense, you know, after TJ Watt, you know, got his money um, before, before the game, he showed up big. Uh, I think the addition of Melvin Ingram to put him on the opposite side um, improves or boosts that pass rush. So um, offensive lines just can't scheme and try to take TJ Watt out the game. And then they have, you know, a healthy Devin Bush, you know, back from last year and some playmakers uh, in the secondary as well. So, um, and I also, even though the Raiders, you know, won that game, you know, Monday night, I wasn't too impressed with how they looked um, either. Um, I think the Ra- uh, they caught the Ravens at a really good time with all the injuries that they were dealing with, you know, being without Marcus Peters um, and some other key guys going down, you know, in the game. So and then, you know, just, you know, uh, the Raiders passing game just heavily targeted and fo- focused on on uh, Darren Waller and not really getting anybody else involved in the game till you know, five minutes or going into that overtime. And the Ravens just looked like they ran out of gas, and, you know, guys just start running free uh, down the field, you know, with that Zay Jones touchdown that ended. But I think it's going to be a different beast going up against the Steelers defense. And you mentioned Najee Harris with, with the running game, so I expect the, the clock to be moving. And, you know, with um, the Raiders facing a, a top-notch defense like the Steelers, and the Steelers offense, you know, not being, you know, any any type of uh, having any type of explosive explosiveness to it. Um, I think that's a, a high enough total at 47 for it to go under. So I would look to play that with you. All right. Well, I'm happy to hear about that smooth because the fact that we're both on that one makes me feel pretty good. I wish we were on the same side last week. Unfortunately, you and I were on opposite sides in the Saints and Green Bay game. You were 100 percent right. I was wrong. Green Bay absolutely got blasted. I do think the Packers come back and play rather well this week. But let's jump into that Saints game. Saints are going to be on the road here at Carolina, plus the three and a half. We have a total right now 
of 45 and a half. Look, I think the Saints were just in a little bit of a tricky spot over the last week with a lot of travel that they had to do. Now, they're, they're practicing in Texas. They're playing in Florida. So it's back and forth, back and forth. Now it's on the road here at Carolina. Carolina gets a win against, you know, it was against the Jets. But I think that that was a, a game where Sam Donald kind of had to get comfortable and, and, and just go in and go through the motions and, and see everything that happened. Again, I'm not a firm believer in the Saints. I think that win last week was fool's gold, but I do believe that it provides a lot of value here for Carolina. There's no way Carolina should be getting any points in this particular game. This line should be around Pickham. So I'm taking the three and a half. I don't particularly have a best bet for this podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make Carolina my best bet plus the three and a half. I think the wrong team's favored. There's just no way in hell that I believe the Saints should be laying any points in this game. And look, I'll give them credit where credit's due. Jameis looked good last week. Kamara was, you know, playing well. That defense looked really good. They beat up Green Bay in the trenches. I just wonder if they could duplicate that again in a game in which I feel that they're probably going to have a little bit of a letdown because of how good they look. So I'm going ahead. I'm playing Carolina. I'll make that my best bet, plus three and a half. I feel pretty good about that game. How about you, Dan? Saints, Panthers, what do you got? In terms of the line, I think it's about right, three, three and a half area. But when you start going down the Saint injury report, there's a lot of guys on defense, like a lot of guys. Key starters like Marcus Davenport, Marshawn Lattimore, Pete Warner, and Kwan Alexander, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson, either key players or starters. You can't be having this many players on one side of the ball coming off a monster game where nothing could go wrong for them, laying three and a half points. I watched a lot of this Panthers game last week. You know, they looked okay. I like the Panthers this year coming in. I think Sam Darnold's going to be good toward the end of the year when he gets more comfortable. They didn't look that good, but I kind of expected it. I just don't understand why the Saints are laying this many points with that many injuries coming off a spectacular game. If you watch enough NFL games over the year, you see these teams just look so, so good one week, and then the next week they look like crap or they just lose to some bad team. I I like the Panthers here with you, Sleepy. I just think it's Panthers are past at this point. All right, well, I'm pretty glad that you agree with me there. Dan, I'm not so sure that Smooth will, but Dan, I will say the reason why this line is what it is is because the Saints went out and they beat up a good Green Bay team. So, um now maybe the books are giving them a lot of you know a lot of love and a lot of credit and and look the Saints deserve it but I just don't believe they deserve to be favored in this particular game so smooth maybe you can go ahead and try to convince us that the Saints are the right side how are you feeling about this game um, you know at the beginning of this week when this line came out you know I liked the Saints uh, even at three and a half I liked it but once um, you know we got later into the week and more news came out around the Saints as far as um, them having a lot of uh, coaches and personnel test positive for COVID. And then the injuries that uh, Dan mentioned that they sustained in week one, uh, losing somebody impactful as, as uh, Marcus Lattimore and Marcus Davenport um, that made some big plays in those games. It, it backed me off away uh, from the Saints in this game. and It, it just turned into a pass. Um, and I think it's just too much for them to overcome. Um uh, and this week, you know, with the travel, the injuries, um, not knowing when they're, you know, going to be able to get back to New Orleans and check on their, you know, houses and families and things like that. Um, going into week one, I think they had a lot of motivation and it was underestimated by the market. Um, I think they had a lot to prove 
you know, with, uh, you know, without Drew Brees and having, you know, uh, the MVP uh, from last year and Aaron Rodgers uh, coming there. And, you know, it was the first week, you know, kind of being away from New Orleans. And then they kind of banded together and just wanted to come out and show uh, the football world that, you know, they were still a good team and still had, had a good defense. And that's what showed up. But um, uh, going into week two, I think it's just a little bit too much to overcome. Um, uh, I also think this could be a little bit of a of a flat spot or a letdown spot for them. So um, I wouldn't stand in front of uh, that Panthers pick now that it's, you know, getting the hook at, at three and a half. So yeah, it's more likely a pass for me. All right. Nothing wrong with passing there. Smooth. I don't blame you. You don't want to go against my best bet. <laughs> Although I, I, I completely went against your best bet last week, and that didn't work out too well for me. But uh, let's jump into the next game here. We got the Falcons. They're going to be on the road here at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, monster favorite, minus 12 and a half. Total in this game, 52. Smooth, I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to you. How are you feeling about the Bucks and the Falcons? Yeah, this is one of my favorite games of the week, and I'm going to take the points with the Falcons here. You know, I just think it's a little bit crazy to be, you know, a – a double-digit favorite uh, this early in the season as a as a divisional matchup. You know, the Falcons, they've been a team that's, you know, played the Bucks, you know, pretty tough over the last few years. You know, one of the matchups they played last year, they lost by eight and came down to the last five or ten minutes or so. And then the second matchup last year towards the end of the year, I think they ended up losing by 14 or 15, you know, once the Bucks came out of that bye week and was rolling. But – I think uh, it's just a little bit over of an overreaction to uh, the Falcons getting beat down last week to uh, to the Eagles, um, and then you know everybody you know is gonna love everybody loves Tom Brady and is gonna back him, and you know no not no no question about that. But um, looking at that Tampa Bay secondary against when it went against the Cowboys, um, they're a little banged up with uh, Sean Murphy Bunn, one of their starting corners, going to be out for a while. <clears throat> and their starting safety, Jordan Whitehead, uh, he missed that. He missed week one uh, dealing with a hamstring issue. And he was a question, he's been questionable all week. So if he plays, um, not expecting him to be 100%, have as much of an impact. Um, so, and then just going on the other side, looking at the Falcons' weapons, um, I, I would say that they're pretty comparable to what, you know, Dallas can throw out there. We're talking about Calvin Ridley and the the rookie tight end slash wide receiver from Florida, Kyle Pitts. Um, he's a matchup problem. So, and then Matt Ryan, he's a former MVP that can play well, and he usually is at his best when you know, he's being counted out and, and just looking at this spread um, and, you know, with the number of amount of tickets coming in on the books, he's counted out in this spot right here. So, um, I'm going to take the points with the Falcons as I think this will be a, a close game. I got them losing by, you know, less than a touchdown and maybe even having a shot uh, to win it late. if They can get a, a turnover or two in their favor. So, yeah, this is one of my favorite bets of the week, and I'll take the Falcons with the points. All right, Smooth's going to go ahead and take the Falcons. I'm going to go down and play a prop in this one, and it's probably going to be Tampa Bay total team sacks over. And if it's two and a half, I still feel pretty good about that. I got to go back and replay last week with Atlanta against Philadelphia. Philadelphia, yeah, they went ahead. They made an adjustment on Calvin Ridley where there were plays that 
not only was he being double covered, but he was being triple covered. And I don't believe Matt Ryan knew what to do with the football. Now, for the first two drives of the game, Atlanta looked really good. They ripped off 72 yards and like 74 yards in, their, in, the, in the next drive. But then it was just 77 yards for the next nine remaining drives. I'm not necessarily sure if that had to do with really being double covered, but I noticed Ryan was holding the ball. And if he holds the ball in this particular game against that Tampa Bay front, he's going to end up getting sacked a bunch of times. So I'm probably going to go ahead and find that sack prop, Tampa Bay, team sacks over. If it's two and a half, I like it a lot. Uh, as far as the side and the total are concerned, I don't have much of an opinion. I think I would probably lean over, and the only reason I would do that is because the Tampa Bay defense last week against Dak Prescott didn't impress me a lot. And I know they have some secondary injuries, and if they can't manage to go ahead and double up on Ridley, well, then I could actually see the Falcons' offense moving the ball up and down the field. And we know what Tom Brady's going to do. I mean, they're going to go out there, they're going to score points. And actually, I think I think I mentioned this on the Money Picks pod with Chris Dell, that one of my biggest prop bets for this particular week was going to be Mike Evans uh, over his receiving yards. And I'll get into that when I get on the next Money Picks podcast. But I'll go ahead and give you guys that as well. I think Mike Evans has a really big week this week for Tampa Bay. Dan, I'll go ahead and throw it over to you to go ahead and close out this game. Falcons, Bucks, what do you got? It's another game. I'm just going to pass. I think 12 and a half, 13's right. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks come out here and just blow them all, blow them out. Wouldn't be that surprised if the Falcons got a late backdoor cover. I watched the Falcons last week, and that was pathetic. They looked lost. They just looked like an inferior team completely to the Eagles. The Bucs were a little lucky last week to win that game, especially when Chris Godwin fumbled. They could have probably dominated the Cowboys, but they didn't. I just don't know if I want to lay 12 and a half at this point of the year because I still think the Falcons are trying. I think they're going to suck at the end of the year, but they're still definitely trying. So I just got to pass the side in total. I'll lean over because I could easily see the Bucs team maybe score 30, 31, or 35 in that range. And then you see the Falcons getting 14 or maybe 17, pushing it over. So pass side, lean over. All right, there you go from Dan Rivera. Uh, I see two best bets on here from the both of you guys, but I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to hold that off. It's funny because you guys are both on the same exact game. We'll see how you guys decide to go on that one. We have the Titans and the Seahawks. This will be the last game that we preview before we go ahead and jump into those best bets. Titans on the road here. Seahawks minus six. Total 54. Smooth, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you first. How are you feeling about the Titans and the Seahawks? Yeah, I think this is another uh, overreaction matchup from week one when we're talking about uh, the Titans getting blasted by the Cardinals on their home field. Um, I'm going with the Titans with the points. They uh, Last year, they were the top two team as far as offensive grade from pro football focus in week one, they just didn't show that. And uh, Derrick Henry, for a, a large chunk of that game, he had about eight or nine carries for seven or eight yards. So their uh, offense, I think he's the biggest key to their offense because he opens up the passing game as well. So I think they're going to make a, a effort to a bigger effort to get him going early, which will open up some play action and some some uh, some seams down the middle of the field that's. Ryan Tannehill's strength. So um, I'm going to take the Titans with the points. And we're talking about the Seahawks, um, their matchup against the Colts. Uh, they looked really good. But I think some bigger factors coming out of that game was, you know, uh, the the Colts going 0, 
over on a fourth down and the Seahawks just made some, some big plays off of that in turn. Uh, that's considered a turnover, I guess. So they turned some of those turnovers into points and that was the difference in the game. But I just think the Titans are going to have a, a much better effort uh, offensively. And I think their defense feeds off their offense. So once their offense plays well, you, you'll, you'll see their defense kind of a more of a bend, but don't break because they don't really have an elite style of personnel on, on the defensive end. But um, I just think their offense is going to be a lot better uh, going up against the Seahawks. So I'll grab the points. Uh, I grabbed it early at five and a half. There's some fives out there, but uh, I would still play it at that number. I think it will be a close game, a field goal or less with the Titans having a chance to win it late. All right, solid stuff there from Smooth. How about you, Dan? Titans, Seahawks, what do you got? This is a game that's kind of been going in different directions depending on what day and time you look at the spread. I think it opened three and a half, went to five and a half, came back down to four and a half, and now sitting on six. If you get lucky, maybe get a six and a half. I lean Seattle because the Smooth is right. The Titans last week just came out and looked awful. And they really didn't have a reason looking awful. Not like the Colts, at least. Titans just got blown out the doors. And Titans, to me, are one of those teams that has to play a certain way. They got to be able to get the lead and run with Derrick Henry. This is the second game without their OC, who went to the Falcons. It's their new OC. So let's see what happens this game. I lean Seattle because they did look a lot better last week than they probably should have. The Colts were missing their best corner. They lost another corner mid-game. And after that, it was just game over for them because they couldn't cover anybody. So I'll lean Seattle here. I Seattle just looks a lot better than they probably should have. And Titans looked a lot worse. So lean Seattle. All right. So it seems like Dan and Smoover are on opposite sides. I'm kind of torn on this one. But I do hope there's one particular thing that actually occurs in this one. Look, Seattle, they, they play a lot of cliffhanger-type games. And they're going to be at home. And that's not going to be an easy trip for the Titans. They're coming off of a home loss against, you know, West Coast team. Now they got to travel all the way out West. Six points seems like it seems too much. But what I'm actually rooting for in this particular game is for the Titans to actually lose, not cover, and actually get their rear ends kicked a little bit and maybe actually end up with some bad luck. And the reason for that is if that happens, I'll be playing on the Tennessee Titans probably for multiple weeks in a row. Because not only do I think the Titans probably come into this game pissed off, but if somehow, some way they fall short in this game, let's just say Seattle's clicking on all cylinders at home, you know, that crowd's rocking and rolling, maybe there's a turnover or two, maybe a couple costly penalties. But I think Tennessee's going to wake up, and that's going to be a team, again, that nobody wants to see. And look, last week, I think it was a little bit of a buzzsaw. There were a lot of things that kind of went wrong for that team. But, look, we know they're good. I mean, how they've been contending for the AFC for the last couple of years. But I'm more than likely going to end up passing this game. It'll probably find some props. But if I'm hoping for something to happen, it's that Tennessee actually loses this game. They don't cover. It's, it's a bad luck, just a bad feeling kind of loss. And then in week three, more than likely, I'll be playing on that team for multiple weeks in a row because I think they're going to be salty, pissed off, and not only are they going to win, I think they're going to look to go and run the score up on people. That's just my thinking with. So with all that said, we do have to go ahead and get to our best bets. Now, Smooth and Dan, both are on the same game, and it's not in any of the games that were on our docket here. So what we're going to do, we're going to jump into the Colts and the Rams game. The Rams are going to be on the road here. 
Rams are minus three and a half. Dan, that's your team, so I'll save you for last. I'll let Smooth go ahead and open up. He's got a best bet in this one. What do you got, Smooth? Yeah, I'm taking the Colts with the points. Uh, I bet this one early in the week at four, but I still like it at three and a half. I think the Colts have a big shot to to win it outright, so I think they're live here. Um, I think everybody's going to be back in the Rams. Public's pretty much all over them, seeing how they took care of you know the Bears you know Sunday night when Matt Stafford you know made his Rams debut, just dropping bombs all over the place. So that's the last image of of seeing the Rams. But for a large a large part of that game in the first half, you know the Bears you know they still had a shot to to get within the game. It was thirteen to seven for a while. And then um, the Bears' offensive line just showed that they couldn't hold up against, you know, the Rams' defensive line. But uh, just talking about the Colts, they have a much better offensive line, and Quentin Nelson is out there. And we were talking about, you know, Carson Wentz and his uh, his debut with uh, with the with the Colts against the Seahawks. He actually didn't play that bad to me. He had over 250 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Only thing he really wasn't able to do was push the ball down the field. I think he averaged about less than six yards per attempt. But going up against the Rams, um, getting that running game going with Jonathan Taylor, I think that'll open up the passing game more uh, for that for the Colts offense. We have more of a balanced attack, and you can take advantage, you know, of uh, on the outside with guys like Michael Pittman and uh, Paris Campbell. But I just think that the the public's going to be all over the Rams here. And with the line opening at four, four and a half and drop down to to three and a half, uh, that makes me like the Colts even more. So uh, I I grabbed the I grabbed the Colts, you know, with the points I, I, I got earlier. But I play it all the way down to three and a half or three as it looks like it's going to continue to keep moving. But, yeah, I'm all over the Colts. Yeah, we talked about this game on the other podcast and I kind of lean there with the Colts taking the points. I feel the same way. Let's jump over to Dan. Dan, how you feeling right now with this one? Says your Indianapolis Colts. You have a best bet. What do you got? I think you're both nuts for liking this Colts this week. You guys ready for this injury report? Left tackle, Eric Fisher may or may not play. He's coming off an Achilles injury who hasn't played in over a year, so he might be rusty. So the Colts have their backup left tackle again. Quentin Nelson hasn't practiced yet this week. He has a foot-back injury, and I don't think he's 100% yet. I think he's about 85 90%. Right tackle, Brandon Smith, has a foot, but I've also heard it's an ankle injury, so I don't know if he's playing yet. That's the offensive line. When you go to the defensive side, Darius Leonard had a injury pop-up, too. He also has an illness. It is not COVID-related based off reports, so he doesn't have to isolate. Now, if it becomes COVID and he does test positive, he's going to be missing this game, and that's a done deal for me. Then I will be betting the Rams. You also have Xavier Rhodes, calf injury. I doubt he plays again this week. You have too many key guys missing this game for me to even try to back the Colts. If the Colts were only missing one guy who is kind of questionable, then I would back them. But I think you're just asking so, so much for a team missing three, four, or five key guys to stop this Rams team. You guys are correct. The public will be all over the Rams, but I just can't back the Colts right now. Not until I see the final injury report. But my best bet is not actually a side or total in this game. Ironically, Sleepy, and smooth. You two have been on many pods with me where I find these obnoxious, obscure, just kind of out of bloom picks. My best bet this week is Rodrigo Blankership over one and a half field goals maze. So my problem with the Rams last week was the Bears were moving up and down the field and usually getting to about midfield at least. 
I think the Colts are going to still be able to move the ball somewhat. I don't know if I want to be back in Wentz yet to be scoring touchdowns. So I like Rodrigo to be getting two or three field goals in this game. You can find it even money at DraftKings, or you could play Rodrigo Blankership over six and a half kicking points. So you would still need two field goals plus a touchdown to cash. So I give preference to the field goals just because it reduces Carson Wentz a little less just in case he just gets clobbered again this week for the lack of protection. So, Sleepy, best bet, Rodrigo Blankership over one and a half field goes made. Well, I feel like I owe it to you, Dan, to go ahead and follow along with you after you gave us a pick last week. And Dan normally doesn't give out props or derivatives, so I have no choice but to go ahead and follow him on that one. Uh, I'll go ahead and repeat one of my best bets uh, for this particular game that I gave out on on the other podcast. And that was Jonathan Taylor over his rushing yards. I am not high at all on the Rams defense. I think they have two all pros in Donald and Ramsey and nine all knows. I don't like that linebacking court for them at all. I have them rated as a bottom five linebacking court in the league. Go back to last week, Montgomery, who typically is a guy who who's not going to run for you know more than 50 or 60 yards in a game. And that would even be kind of a good game. Uh, he ran all over that Rams defense. And I think, Jonathan Taylor will have a big game this particular week, and I think they'll look to go ahead, slow this game down, keep Carson Wentz out of uh, out of Jalen Ramsey's territory. So I'll go ahead, I'll give you guys that. But that's it, guys. That's it for our podcast. Solid stuff from everybody on this one for this week. You guys know where to find us on Twitter at Sleepy J underscore pregame at Dan Rivera two twenty eight and at Smooth underscore seven zero two. And you guys could always find us on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck in NFL Week 2. Enjoy the games.